Thanks for listening today. On the program, we're going to be talking about avalanche safety and focusing on the incredible story, which has gone around the world, of Elizabeth Malloy and Adam Morey. Uh, Elizabeth was caught in a 700-foot avalanche and uh, and lived to tell the tale. In fact, uh, Adam Morey was instrumental in saving her. And we also have with us Toby Weed from the Utah Avalanche Center. Uh, welcome to you all. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. We, we appreciate you uh, t- uh, joining us. Let's start with, with you, Elizabeth. Uh, in fact, you, as you probably know, your, your story has made it around the world. Uh, in fact, I'm reading the headline here from the Daily Mail from, from, uh, from London. Woman buried under 700-foot avalanche reveals how she awoke to her boyfriend's sweet kisses as he performed CPR after saving her life. And there's a picture of, of you, and, you and Adam. Uh, tell me, you, you were, uh, where were you? And, uh, and uh, I guess you were skiing? Yes, we were ascending. We were still on the way up, um, hiking um, along um, the tree ridge um, at the time. I was still in the tree ridge when Adam had um, stepped out of the tree line. Um, And um, when the avalanche propagated from above, um, was triggered by Adam and propagated from above and then came down on us both. Uh, amazing, and so you were you were you were buried, Adam. You were you were not buried. I was uh, partially buried. I got yeah. I got uh, raked through the trees, and luckily uh, came out on top and uh, was able to search for Elizabeth. But we were both caught and in a uh, basically a terrible situation. So, Elizabeth, what what are your thoughts? You look up, you see this avalanche coming down. What what do you try to do? Um, well, I tried tried to turn my skis from um, skier facing right. I was facing um, the wrong direction, and so I turned my skis downhill um, and hoping to ski down and maybe off to the right, um, escape, escaping the slide. Um, but I was um, still in climbing mode, and I still had my um, climbing bars up, and my gear was um, in the mode for climbing um, or the, the ascent, so it's very difficult to control, um, and so, but also the, the speed of the avalanche was was faster than I was able to, um, you know, get out of the path. So I was essentially um, just engulfed mm. um, and thrown um, face first, um, head first, uh, on my belly, um, and the snow basically just... Um, covered me as after it, you know, took me for a ride. Um, and I ended up stopping, luckily, um, in a first little dip area before it, it knolls over and then heads down further, the slope. So I um, luckily wasn't um, carried further away from Adam where he ended up. We, were, we ended up fairly close to one another, which was um, very lucky. So as you're now you're buried... Uh, what, do you, what are your what are your thoughts then? You're 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 just hoping that Adam survived, I guess. And yeah, I mean, my, essentially, um, you know, my thoughts were obviously briefly um, a bit of dread and um, and panic, um, but then I just sort of made myself um, focus and to breathe very slowly and just um, relax. And um, you know, I I said to myself that he'll he'll come get me, you know, and so I was really very quite calm about it. Um, after my initial, you know, five, ten seconds of um, distress, 
um, when I couldn't move. And the, the snow, once it settles, it sets up pretty fast and very um, heavy, just the physics of it. Um, so it's impossible to move after it's stopped and settled. Mm. <clears throat> so it was quite, um, it was heavy and dark. And um, I didn't feel cold. I didn't feel suffering. I didn't feel like suffocating or I wasn't thrashing. It was um, oddly very um, quiet and um, serene, I suppose. I've used that word several times, mm -hmm. but it is, it seemed somewhat dream state, and especially after the point where I lost consciousness and I don't remember um, bits of Adam finding me and digging me out. I don't remember any of, of that. Um, like I said, I do remember um, eventually him grabbing me and holding me and my face right in his face. I don't know if he was, he was kissing me. Uh, he did tell me, but he also was doing some rescue breaths and he was mm -hmm. also, you know, yelling my name and trying to make me, you know, become alert. Hmm. Let's turn to Adam. Um, the, the, this, oh, oh you, go ahead. No, I'm done. Okay, okay, sorry about that. Uh, Adam, you, this must have been terrifying, so you, seeing your girlfriend swept down down the mountain. You don't know how far down the mountain she's going to go, and, and you're you're caught in this as well. Yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't see her. I, I knew, um, like, I mean, I went for a ride as well, and I was partially buried. Um, and same same thing, it was, it was, you know, quiet and serene going for a ride. Um, but when I stopped and the snow traveled over me, I got um, hung up in the trees by my my ski. Um, once I came to a rest, it was yeah, I was panicked. It was um, terrifying uh, to know that she was buried. Um, when I came to a stop, I I called for her and there was no response. So immediately I knew she was she was buried. Um, there was no. Certainly, no nowhere to go. Um, now you the, the you, only way I can describe it is just hmm. terror. Um, yeah, I imagine. So, uh, so Elizabeth, you you had a beacon on. Yes, we we always travel with our um, our avalanche safety gear um, in our backpacks. Our beacons always are on. We have them on um, strapped um, to our chest um, underneath our jackets. And um, before we set out, we always make sure that they have fresh batteries and um, that they are um, working. And, um, you know, we each have a shovel and a probe. And in case, you know, a burial were to occur, um, we could use the gear um, and practice what we've, what we've learned. Mm. And luckily worked out for me that Adam was, was close enough, um, not buried or only partially buried, because um, if he was buried, fully buried, it would be, you know, a double, um, a story about two two deaths, <laughs> yeah. which is not unusual. Right. You get that often. Um, so the fact that he wasn't fully buried and that he wasn't far from me, and as soon as he turned his beacon on to receive my signal, he um, he got my signal. And so he only had to then find the strongest point in which he believed I was under um, the surface. And, and then he probed for me, and um, I believe hit my foot. Um, and I do have a bruise on my foot, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> it's quite, it's quite the bruise I'm fond of, actually. Yeah, um, you'll, you'll take that. Yeah. 
So, so Adam, <laughs> but, you were you were you were probing well, frantically, I'm sure, uh, and, and the beacon, I'm sure, was instrumental in helping you find Elizabeth. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a worst case scenario. It's something that you don't uh, want to have to use, but uh, we were fortunate that we um, had had the right gear at the time, um, uh, and that was able to get her. Um, it's it, it's also something that you know it's you you have that safety gear, but um, that that in, in some instances kind of pushes you a little further. You know, if you, to have that safety net there, you maybe make decisions that uh, you wouldn't otherwise make, um, knowing that safety net is there. But it fortunately worked out for us. Um, it's not always the case. Um, Kind of odds were against us the mm. whole time, but um, gear worked. Um, we, I was able to find her, and uh, but it's it's been a very hard experience for sure. Yeah, we'll we'll talk a little bit about the the aftermath and 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 some of the lessons from this. If you just joined us, we're talking with uh, Elizabeth Malloy and Adam Mori. They were in the uh, the back country in uh, the Utah mountains. Um, I believe for this I'm, I'm reading West Porter Fork uh, in Mill Creek Canyon, uh, deep in the backcountry, an, an avalanche. And Elizabeth was fully caught and buried. Uh, Adam, fortunately, was only partially buried. He was able to find her using a beacon. Uh, and uh, this illustrates, of course, avalanche danger and uh, what we ought to be doing. We're, we'll bring in Toby Weed now, forecaster with the Utah Avalanche Center. Uh, Toby, as you listen to this story, of course, of course, we're we're, we're very happy that uh, Adam and Elizabeth survived. Others don't. Uh, some of this illustrates some of the things that all people ought to have out in the backcountry, right? Well, absolutely. Um, I, I think the main thing uh, is it, a fantastic survival story, and um, what what these guys are talking about um, illustrates the fact that, that everybody that goes into avalanche terrain really not only needs to have the right equipment, mm-hmm. but also you, you, you have to um, to know how to use it and practice it a lot. Mm. Uh, you can't just have the equipment and think that you're going to be uh, saved by your partner. Um, the, the thing is, the amount of time that you're, you're buried for is, is critical, and you have to be rescued quickly for... Uh, or you're in real big, big trouble, and and Elizabeth would have died. How long? How long do people usually have before they're in trouble? Well, um, it's it's really a matter of minutes, Tom. It's uh, it, you know you, you're going to uh, lose consciousness after probably five to ten minutes, uh, if not sooner, mm. and um, and then it's just a matter of time. Uh, just really, just minutes. Now, Elizabeth, you you talked about this, or or Adam, I can't remember. Uh, that you had the equipment, you'd also had practice with it, just like Toby said. Yes. Uh, 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 several years ago, I practiced, uh, I got tra- initially trained on uh, avalanche safety and uh, rescue scenarios and, uh, you know, I'm kind of in, engulfed in the industry um, and it's something that's constantly on my mind and, and staying current with new technology. Um it, it's absolutely it, it, in when the moment happens. If you have that training, it's something you can fall back on. I mean, panic set, sets in really quickly, but if you've got that uh, some sort of education uh, in your in your back pocket, it's something that you can fall fall onto, kind of default to, and um, it's 
it's absolutely critical to have the training uh, with the equipment. The, the equipment itself is is not going to save you. It's knowledge how to use it. Yeah, I can I can, I can only imagine that you'd have to have some training for so that it kicks in as a reflex action. I want to have you follow up, and I'll have Toby Weed comment on this. Adam, you you talked about having this equipment, which you should have. Can can maybe oh, I'm, am I hearing you correctly that maybe make you relax uh, <laughs> a little more than you should? You you think well, it's a safety net, and so you even if you have the equipment, you have to be really careful. Yeah, I mean uh, the the technology in the, in the in the backcountry world is advancing really quickly, and it's easier than it's ever been to get out and to you know it to have fun, um, but. Um, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword um, where you uh, have this equipment and it allows you to almost take greater risks um, and have, have a, a false sense of security. Um, Let me have um, Toby Weed comment on that as well. I'm, I'm sure you probably hear this from people and you've encountered this, that uh, maybe people have some good equipment, as they should have. They, they regard it as a bit of a safety net. Yeah, I think so. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of people they'll get the equipment and and just put it in their pack, or or maybe they'll wear it, but they don't really practice with it. Um, and again, I'll, I'll harp on that. The more you practice with your equipment, you'll find uh, things that don't work. Uh, usually, it's with your probes um, uh, or your shovel. And and you, you need to to practice in order to to get a really good system in place so that you can you can perform a rescue uh, within your own party really rapidly. Mm. Uh, what, it's very, very, very important. What do you um, What do you suggest should be standard equipment? Ever, anyone who goes in the backcountry, what should they have? Well, um, you, you need to have a probe, a shovel, and a beacon. Uh, a beacon is a transmitter, which is uh, transmitting uh, a signal um, that can be picked up by another one when it's turned to receive. And um, these these are critical uh, and, and all necessary for. Uh, rescues of, of your party um so that's that's where you need to begin but again you, ne- you need to practice with it and make sure you have a have a good system going otherwise it's not worth it and the other thing is you have to remember to turn uh your beacon on and um there are a lot of times uh, people forget that um mm. so uh just just really good to, to to work together with your partner and to to check and make sure this beacon is working has enough batteries in it and also check your other equipment. Um, don't just assume that because you have it, you're going to be safe. Mm. Let me turn back to uh, Elizabeth. Uh, in the aftermath of this, what, as you thought back on it, I'm sure there are some emotional reverberations. What, what are you feeling now? Um, now I'm just um, sort of, you know, trying to recover my my daily my daily living. Um, trying to get back to some normalcy. Um, I still have moments of um, reflection that is very emotional, um, mainly mainly because I, I realized how, how lucky and how close I was to not coming out as a survivor on the other end of this story. Um, but I think that it gives me a big, bigger sense of purpose um, what I obviously should be doing with my life is something a little bit more. Mm. Um, not that I am ashamed of my career, but I think there's something else that I'm I should be doing. Um, 
it's not really like a higher calling kind of a message, but obviously um, things played out really well um, for me, and I'm going to try to use this opportunity to um, make the most of my life, and especially um, when it comes to loved ones um, and family, um, just make sure that, um, you know, you have your life tidied up and everybody knows um, how much they mean to you on a daily basis and sort of not to be cliche, but don't sweat the small stuff (laughs) because I think I'm going to put a big um, framed photo of the slide on my wall and I come home from work and say, you know, that was a crappy day. I'm going to look at the wall and say, well, it could get worse. (laughs) (laughs) It it always could get worse. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Adam, what what about, what about you? What, uh, what are some reverberations or, or decisions you've made or the aftermath of this? Uh, you know, just kind of rehashing it today. It's it's still very emotional, and it's it's going to be something that sticks with me as as long as I'm cognizant. You know, it's uh, it's uh, a very painful lesson for sure. Um, it's it's hard to relive to relive it. Um, it's uh, you know, it's sometimes your mistakes always they're not always so apparent. Um, this is one that's just slaps you in the face. Uh, it's, it's hard. The, the only, only way I can describe it, it's just, it's hard every day. It's, you know, the, it's, uh, a, a, it's still very painful. Let me turn to uh, Toby Weed. By the way, if you just joined us, we're talking about the the amazing, uh, happy ending uh, story of a seven hundred foot avalanche in the uh, Utah backcountry. Uh, Elizabeth Malloy was completely buried in this avalanche, and her boyfriend Adam uh, Mori was only partially buried, thankfully, and he was able to uh, find her beacon, uh, probe for her, and and dig her out. Uh, so this one had a had a happy ending, uh, and it's uh, it's gone around the world. It's uh, really uh, caught some interest. In fact, as I said before, I read the headline from the Daily Mail in in London. Uh, let's turn back to uh, Toby Weed, forecaster with Utah Avalanche uh, Center. Uh, you were telling me before we went on the air that you don't have to be in the backcountry for uh, avalanche to perhaps present a danger to to you and me. Yeah, that's right, Tom, and. Um... You know, we we actually shown that uh, last week in uh, low elevation terrain in this area. Uh, a number of wet avalanches came down uh, to the Logan River and would have threatened fishermen. And a couple went across the uh, Logan River Trail where a lot of folks uh, walk their dogs and uh, some came down into Green Canyon. Uh, so places where you might not expect to get caught. Uh, an- another would be uh, snow falling off of roofs. Uh, you know, when it warms up after we've had a foot or two of snow in town, uh, a lot of the roofs start actually avalanching and, and dropping their snow off on uh, uh, sometimes people. Hmm. So we do have to, to be aware this time of year, uh, even if we aren't uh, venturing into the mountains, into the to what we call the backcountry. I wanted to ask you uh, about these these two young boys who who died near Heber City. We all uh, saw those reports. They were along with their sister, who who uh, wasn't buried in the avalanche, but went went for the ride. They were just, as I understand it, kind of uh, standing on an, an overhang of snow, which gave way, and it's sort of a sort of a freak avalanche there. It was a really a very tragic uh, occurrence, and um, the family was not really intending to to ride in avalanche terrain. They weren't in avalanche train by their the way they were thinking but yeah it was it was 
somewhat of a freak accident. And, um, you know, we, we don't expect everybody to, to be able to recognize avalanche, potential avalanche danger. Um, this one, unfortunately, involved a terrain trap um, in, in that the snow uh, brought the young boys down uh, and, and buried them deeply in a creek bed. Um, and, and, and the fact that it was in that terrain trap um, both kind of disguised the problem and presented uh, a, a much more difficult rescue scenario. Mm. So what uh, what can we uh, tell me a bit about your your advisories at Utah Avalanche Center and and what they mean? Are, and are there some areas and some times of a special danger where no one should be in the backcountry? Well. Okay, um, I recommend that you go to our website, which is utahavalanchecenter.org, and we do um, update danger ratings for uh, a lot of areas throughout the state of Utah, uh, mountain areas where avalanches are, are more likely to occur and where a lot of people uh, recreate. Um, as far as, as that, yeah, um, avalanches are possible even when the danger is low, in really uh, uh, steep terrain, um, steep rocky terrain, uh, or, or wind-drifted terrain. At this point, there's a lot of terrain that you wouldn't want uh, to venture into. Uh, anything that was uh, steep, steeper than about 35 degrees, uh, wind-drifted especially, and that's quite a lot of the mountain terrain right now. Um, and, and you don't want to be below these slopes either. Um, so where an avalanche could come out of the uh, mm -hmm. slope above you and, 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 and nail you on a, uh, a lower angle slope below, you want to try to avoid those situations. Um, and, and it's going to be stabilizing, um, I'm sure, uh, but there's still going to be booby traps out there. Mm -hmm. So um, definitely always be prepared, be cautious, travel one at a time uh, from safe spot to safe spot if you can. And um, uh, the stuff is really important, especially when the danger is rising. And it's utahavalanchecenter.org, and there's some, some very valuable uh, advisories there and information, uh, which uh, Toby Weed puts out, uh, forecaster for the Utah Avalanche Center. Uh, always travel in a group, or at least pair, right? That's what I've heard. Yeah, well, if you're ever going to get caught in avalanche, somebody's going to have to um, rescue you. And so it's really important to have uh, somebody watching you closely if you, if you do go into an avalanche path. Um, and, and, and if at all possible, you want to avoid having more than one person uh, on a slope at the same time that could avalanche. And um, the, the uh, accident um, that, came, um, that had a good outcome that we, we've been talking to the survivors from, you know, um, they were spread out when the avalanche occurred, but they both got caught in the avalanche. And if there's any way that you can avoid getting caught in the same avalanche as your partner or your partners, um, you want to avoid that, uh, mm. a, a, while at the same time keeping a close eye uh, mm. on each other. Now, I've heard about, uh, and I'm sure you have too, uh, technology that I think is uh, maybe a little more popular in Europe, but, uh, sort of a parachute that uh, I'm, I'm describing it, or, or an airbag kind of a thing that, that deploys and, and help, helps perhaps to float you to the top. Is that, Adam, you've heard of this? Yes, it's, uh, it's something that's uh, growing very quickly, and it's been, uh, it has been successful, but uh, again, uh, the safety net can only take you so far. It doesn't. You, you, it still comes down to the human factor, where you have to make the proper decisions, and that's the you know airbag, the beacons. It's it's uh, 
you know, something you, you only use in a worst case scenario and you really uh, from personal experience you don't wanna you don't wanna be in that situation. It's it's something so, you wanna no, work to avoid. Yeah, go ahead, Toby. And what what Adam's saying and, and I, I mean it makes a lot of sense to me, but um you you really you don't want to get caught in an avalanche. You wanna avoid getting caught in an avalanche at all. And that's the first step. So um just just avoid it. Don't 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 get caught in an avalanche. Um, but if you do, yeah, an airbag might be a, a, a good thing to have. Uh, certainly, they do float you to the top, and we have we've had uh, instances in the mountains around here where uh, people say that they've saved their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but but really, Adam hit the nail right on the head there. You you, you don't want to get caught in an avalanche, and all of this body armor, these beacons and airbags and avalungs and stuff like that, that you know. They'll save you in the worst-case scenario, but you, you, did, you don't want to get caught in mm-hmm. some of these avalanches, especially the ones that are likely in the backcountry right now. We're coming down to the end of our time. I want to uh, to maybe end with Adam and Elizabeth. Uh, Toby, uh, last word from you. Uh, you don't want to get caught in an avalanche. Uh, maybe uh, reiterate your advice uh, to people uh, on how not to do that or how to how to do that, how not to get caught. Well, if you, if you stay away from uh, roofs, and steep slopes, slopes that are steeper than about 35 degrees, and you stay out from under them and, and off those slopes that are near them, you'll, you'll probably be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, a piece of advice, if you do go into the backcountry, if you like powder snow, like uh, hundreds and thousands of people in Utah do, um, you, you, you want to time it right. And so check our advisory, utahavalanchecenter.org, and, and just make sure that the time is good for you to hit some of these uh, these slopes that, that you've been looking at. Very good. UtahAvalancheCenter.org. Uh, and finally, with um, with Adam and Elizabeth, uh, let me uh, pose this to Adam. Uh, I'm wondering about that moment, I think we all are, when you when you found Elizabeth and you were able to dig down to her. Tell me a bit about that, that moment. That's got to be relief, and I don't know what else, whether whether emotions. Yeah, it's... Um... Uh, so it was a it was a big relief to find her, um, and when I got to her, she was breathing, um, which was a you know a small victory uh, considering the situation. But uh, after I found her, I lost her. Um, was able to get her back uh, through rescue breathing, but um, it's just uh, it's just terrible. Um, it's the most terrifying thing I've ever experienced. Uh, and it's it's uh, something I wouldn't wish upon, you know, my worst enemy. You know, it's it's just it was just terrible. Mm. Elizabeth, the, the same question to you. you. You from the opposite, from the other side. You you said you felt serene. You passed out. Uh, next thing you know, um, uh, your uh, boyfriend Adam has found you. What what were your emotions then? I was in. I think I was so hypothermic and a bit in shock that, um, well, first of all, I was quite confused for half an hour to 45 minutes. Um, Adam was trying to dress, uh, put some warm clothes that I had packed in my backpack on me, and I was taking them off again. Um, So very typical of hypothermia. Um, You get to this kind of confused state where... um, Physically, the physics of it is that you start to vasodilate and you start to feel warm eventually. And they have stories of mountaineers that have had their clothes in gloves and hats and stuff taken off after they've sat down. 
um, because you feel really tired and, and sluggish and you can't move. And so a good bit of it was just trying to, um, it was me just trying to uh, sort of get, reoriented and and sort of helpful to Adams, um, uh, you know, attempts to get me down um, off the mountain and to uh, safety, uh, well, to help medical attention. Um, And for, you know, part of that, I was was not alert and helpful at all. And so I just remember being um, cold and he putting things on me, um, trying to dress me. And then eventually, um, when the third, uh, when the lone skier, Peter, um, showed up, um, I was actually very aware at that moment. I remember him skiing up and grabbing things out of his pack. That was sort of where um, I came, um, became more alert and was able to assist in um, um, descending from where I was um, dug out of the snow to where I was eventually um, picked up by helicopter. Mm-hmm. So it was about a two and a half hour descent, very slow, very arduous, um, very painful because uh, I didn't have skis. And if I tried to do it with just my boot, uh, my one boot and my other foot, which was um, did not have a boot, um, my boot remained in my one of my skis. Um, and my foot came out instead of the boot um, dislodging from the, the binding. Um, so I had a makeshift wrapped um, with some equipment, some um, a coat and a plastic bag. So it was really difficult if I were to step in the snow. I, I sunk in very deep, you know, post-holing, we call that. And so that's very um, tiring and um, time-consuming. Um but also it was possibly going to rip off my um, makeshift boot. So, you know, the process that we got out was um, that I was standing on a backpack and skis and slowly, step by step, trying to get down. So it was very um, slow process. Mm. Um, And I remember being very miserable. (laughs) Um, But, you know, my... the. The two, my two partners, the two partners that ended up being two partners, um, you know, kept me going, um, kept it light, um, tried to um, keep my spirits light, um, and that was help. That was helpful um, because I wanted to stop and sit down, and you know, I was done. But um, that wasn't a, that wasn't an option. Um, it was, I think, minus eleven by that time. Um, that night, it was an extremely cold night. Um, it, was a, it was a very cold day to begin with. Um, and so um, I remember just being confused, cold, and miserable, and then extremely happy once I was in that helicopter seat. <laughs> I imagine, <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> the best feeling ever yeah. when, they, um, when I climbed in. I was, you know, I, Adam climbed in first and then assisted me to climb in. Um, it didn't land, it just hovered, and so we were climbing into um, um, an, a, a helicopter that was hovering um, and not actually landed. Hmm. Um, so it was brilliant um, rescue efforts from all the ancillary um, you know, support um, organizations that 
were in place that night. Well, we're we're very we're very well, all very thankful that it ended the way it did. Uh, we've been talking with uh, Elizabeth Malloy, uh, who was buried in a 700-foot avalanche. Her boyfriend uh, Adam Mori uh, was partially buried. He was able to get out and and find her. Had a happy ending. Uh, final question to uh, Adam and Elizabeth: Have you been out in the backcountry since? Are you planning another trip out? Not yet. Uh, we we plan on. Uh, unfortunately, I've been very busy with work, uh, working the the ski industry, and so it happened. To, our accident happened to coincide with basically the busy, busiest time of the year for myself. Um, so we haven't we had no we haven't been able to get out yet, but have uh, full intentions of getting back with um, a, a lot more knowledge and. Uh, uh, caution in our back pocket, mm-hmm. um, but uh, we plan on getting out. Just haven't had the opportunity yet. All right, uh, we we're talking with Adam Mori and Elizabeth uh, Malloy, and with Toby Weed, Utah Avalanche Center forecaster. Toby Weed, once again, it's uh, utahavalanchecenter dot org. There's a lot of great information there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, hope to talk to you again soon, and um, and thanks for having me. Thank you, and thanks, uh, Adam Mori. Appreciate it. Thanks, Toby. And Elizabeth Thank Malloy. Thank you, guys. And uh, uh, thanks for uh, listening to this uh, part of Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We are going to d- continue this discussion on avalanche safety. Following a brief break, we'll uh, uh, be talking with Toby Weed, continue our discussion with him from the Utah Avalanche Center. And we'll throw this out to you. We hope to hear your perspective. What are your concerns as you head out into the backcountry? Uh, how do you prepare? And uh, do you have an avalanche story to tell? We'd love to hear that. Avalanche deaths are on the rise this season worldwide, according to the, an article in the Huffington Post. We'll ask Toby Weed uh, what the situation is in Utah and whether this is an unusual season or no, why people do risk their safety and uh, and death. People do die from avalanches every year in Utah due to avalanches. The people we were just talking to uh, had a happy ending. Others don't. We're going to continue this discussion with Avalanche Safety. Hope to hear your perspective at 1-800-826-1495. 1-800-826-1495 or upraxis at gmail.com. Upraxis at gmail.com following the break. Support for Utah Public Radio is provided by the Black Pearl Asian Bistro and Sushi in North Logan, serving traditional Chinese dishes, a taste of Thai, nigiri, sushi, and sashimi, open seven days a week, information at 435-750-0888. UPR is celebrating 60 years of broadcasting with a mug contest. Submit your artistic creations for possible inclusion on the next UPR mug at upr.org. Identify Utah Public Radio and our anniversary with your design, then let your imagination carry you away. The winner will be selected by our listeners. Your drawing, painting, or photograph will be imprinted on the Spring 2013 Membership Mug for all to see. For ideas or for more information, just go to upr.org. The deadline is February 11th. Also support is provided by the Cache Valley Center for the Arts, celebrating 20 years this season with the return of the 12 Men's Voices of Chanticleer, February 21st and 22nd at 7.30. Information is at ellenecclestheater.org. Get your... Thanks for staying with us. I'm Tom Williams. You're listening to Access Utah. We're talking avalanche and avalanche safety 
on the program. Earlier in the program, we heard the amazing story of Elizabeth Malloy and Adam Morey, who fortunately escaped an a 700-foot avalanche uh, in the backcountry near Mill Creek Canyon. Uh, but uh, many die around the world in avalanches each year, including in Utah. Last year, about a year ago, uh, this post in the Huffington Post, avalanche deaths on the rise this season, but why? We'll talk a little bit about the science. And mostly, we're turning to you to ask for your avalanche story, if you have one. What are your concerns as you head into the backcountry? Why do you do it, even though it uh, can be dangerous? And uh, what do you do to prepare? And uh, we bring uh, back in Toby Weed, forecaster from the uh, Utah Avalanche Center. Toby, uh, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, Tom. So, uh, to to that point, uh, last year I read this headline: "Avalanche deaths on the rise this season." But why do, do do we do we have a good handle on the on the science and what it, what makes for an especially dangerous avalanche season? Yeah, we sure do, and we've known for a long time what makes uh, da- dangerous avalanche conditions. That's not really the question. What we're seeing, though, is a trend of more and more people heading out into avalanche terrain. Uh, so that that's why we're seeing more. Uh, yeah. And I suppose, you know, even though people know that it can be dangerous, it's just the thrill of being out in the backcountry and enjoying the sport. Um, sure. Yeah, I guess that, that, that's the deal. And maybe the danger is part of that as well. Part oh, of the thrill. interesting. Part of, part, of the, part of the reason you go out. Yeah, I guess a person like me wouldn't go out for that reason, but... Um, but, you know, the, the problem, Tom, we avalanches come in all kinds of different shapes and sizes, and uh, the current avalanche problem is uh, real, really pretty big, deadly slab avalanches, and uh, they're not, it's not real likely that you trigger one, but if you did it, it could easily kill you. Mm-hmm. So we, we have a, a situation with, um, you know, large avalanches that aren't really all that likely to trigger. Mm-hmm. What are, what are the some of the percentages? Do you do we have a lot of people maybe trigger small avalanches which are survivable, fewer that uh, trigger the big ones like you were just talking about? Sure, yeah, and it, it, it works downhill from the amount of people that trigger it to the amount of people that get killed. It's a very small fraction of people get killed that actually trigger avalanches. Uh, you know, most people will trigger them and then not get caught, um, and then a few people will get caught and carried, and then out of those people that get caught. Uh, and carried by the avalanche, only a small percentage of them actually end up buried. Mm. We're talking about avalanches on the program. This uh, discussion occasioned by an amazing uh, incident that uh, went around the world. A 700-foot avalanche buried Elizabeth Malloy. Her boyfriend, uh, Adam Morey, was only partially buried. He was able to to, to escape and, and save her. That beacons. We've, we've been discussing this uh, earlier in the program on Access Utah. I'd like to hear your story. Your concerns and your preparation. What do you do to uh, to prepare to go out into the backcountry? And Tom, I know there's some stories out there because we had uh, over uh, well around a dozen avalanches this weekend that were triggered by people. Uh, two of them uh, resulted in full burials. And, wow! Uh, and luckily, they were both rescued by um, people that were right there, members of their own party, or, or people right in the area. Just this um, weekend. Just this weekend, starting on Friday. Uh, where a snowmobiler triggered a, a large slab avalanche from very low on the slope in the Monte Cristo area, and he was buried under four feet of heavy uh, debris, but but rescued um, real quickly by his partners that 
obviously knew how to use the equipment and, and did so uh, rapidly. Mm. Um, so that, that Monte Cristo area is, um, you know, renowned for uh, snowmobile accidents, and, and they, they occur on similar slope. They're not necessarily all that steep. Mm. So we'd love to hear your story, and the, the number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. We have about uh, 10 minutes left in this uh, part of the program. Uh, or you can email us at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. We're asking you for your avalanche story, if you have one. How do you prepare? Why do you go into the backcountry, knowing that it's dangerous? Toby Weed's saying that's maybe part of the culture. And uh, what are your concerns when you, when you head out? Maybe a suggestion on equipment and training? people should take. We've talked about that earlier in the program, but you could continue that discussion. 1-800-826-1495 or upraxis at gmail.com. So uh, skiers, snowmobilers, uh, who else triggers and gets caught in avalanches out there? Um, skiers, snowboarders, snowmobilers, mm-hmm. no shoers. Any, uh, anybody that's out there. Yeah, snow, really? Snowplow. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and um, you know, it could be pretty much anybody—an animal or a person—that that gets onto the slope uh, at the wrong time um, mm. that could trigger the avalanche. And this is most likely going to happen in terrain that's steeper uh, than about 35 degrees. Uh, there, do animals get caught and die in avalanches? Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I imagine they trigger them at times as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we have found animals in in avalanche debris for sure. And usually, your advisories don't include uh, ski areas that do avalanche control. And I understand that you know we've all seen the videos they they shoot off cannons or whatever and and try to trigger avalanches in a safe condition. Right, and so um, ski areas and and highway departments do avalanche control, and they do explosive testing of slopes that they think uh, may be dangerous. So when the conditions are right, they'll they'll shoot them uh, with explosives, and um, often that concussion is uh, creates enough of a shock or a vibration on the slope for it to avalanche. Um, but and, and actually, skiers are really very good at controlling the problem, and so our forecasts or our advisories are not for ski areas um, because they do avalanche control. Um, but our, our uh, advisories are for the backcountry areas that aren't um, that, that, that nobody does this for. Um, so they're just natural states of the snowpack. And uh, in current conditions, even um, areas that are less heavily tracked up um, by previous recreators by snowmobiles uh, are, are um, less likely to, to avalanche. Or th- those that are tracked up especially during the times when the weak layers were forming, um, uh, are, are, seem to be sticking together better than track, areas that are untracked for mm. most of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, give us the website again, and what are current avalanche conditions and any advisories? Okay. The website is the Utah Avalanche Center, and that's all one word, uh, dot O-R-G. And... It's actually a pretty extensive site, um, so I recommend that you go in there and have a look. Um, my boss is uh, Bruce Tremper, and he just uh, uh, wrote a, a real nice blog explaining the conditions this weekend that led to 11 human-triggered avalanches that were large and dangerous. Um, so you can, you can read there what his opinions are regarding the current conditions. Well, what, in, in, in brief, what, uh, what were the conditions that, 
that led to so much avalanche activity this weekend? Well, the, the problem is um, a buried weak snow that's now buried under the uh, the, the snow that came um, with last week's real windy and warm storm. So that put a heavy layer of snow down in the backcountry on top of slopes that had pre-existing weak snow. And um, so actually, at that point, I thought we were going to have much more uh, avalanches than actually occurred. And um, so what happened is many of the slopes did not naturally avalanche. They just hung in place in kind of this uh, balanced state. And um, areas that uh, hadn't seen much traffic um, previously in the year um, were susceptible uh, to, to triggering. And so uh, when, when somebody would go on one of these slopes or actually go underneath it, in some cases like the one in Monte Cristo, they would trigger a, a large avalanche. Um, the problem being that not all of the slopes were doing that. So uh, um, at the same time where 11 people triggered these large avalanches, hundreds of people were uh, riding or skiing down uh, real steep uh, avalanche-prone slopes, and no avalanches happened. Uh, so the, the uh, perception that a lot of people get is that things are safe. If they see that um, other people have been able to, to get away with, so to speak, uh, going down or, or, or riding up one of these slopes. Um, and, and and then an avalanche will occur uh, that nobody will see, but they'll hear about it later. You know? mm-hmm. uh, anyway, I'm not sure if, I, if I'm... Um, no, that, that sounds... Uh, describing what you mean, but... Right. So, so a lot of people will think we're crying wolves if they don't trigger an avalanche, whereas the conditions are ripe in some areas uh, for these dangerous things to be triggered. Mm. Um, and, and so it's, it puts us in a really hard uh, position. It's giving me uh, uh, gray hairs and, and uh, real uh, a lot of stress. I imagine. Yeah. At, at the Avalanche Safety Center, you you want to get as many people through the season as possible alive oh, and well, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Our goal is, is uh, to have nobody die in avalanches. Now, of course, um, people don't necessarily listen to our advice, and and, and so, you know, that, that, that may not happen, but we're doing our best to get the word out there. And um, it's, it's really hard in these kind of conditions when the slopes fool people and, and uh, slopes that are tracked underneath uh, in those weak layers. So slopes that had a lot of tracks in January are now holding together just fine, whereas even adjacent slopes that didn't have uh, that kind of compaction um, are, are much more dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know. The less popular slopes are where you could probably trigger an avalanche right now. So uh, we just have about a couple minutes left. I want you to go over the the safety tips again. If you're heading out the backcountry, what should you do to be prepared? Okay, first go to the Utah Avalanche Center website at utahavalanchecenter.org and just find out what the conditions are. And uh, next, make sure you're carrying a, um, a beacon, a shovel, and a probe. And, and that you know how to use it. If you don't know how to use this stuff, practice with it and get the training. And we um, we, we have links to a lot of these uh, training um, opportunities on our website. And the other thing that would save a lot of lives is if um, people got into the habit of traveling uh, one at a time across avalanche paths. And uh, meanwhile, what their partners would watch them uh, carefully. So uh, those those three things would would save a lot of uh, a lot of 
lives mm. just right there. So, uh, and, and finally, uh, I'm interested. I don't know if you've talked to. I'm guessing you maybe have talked to some avalanche survivors, like uh, Elizabeth Malloy. She. This was. It sounds like it's sort of life changing to her. She's. She's even planning on changing careers. She wants to do something meaningful to her. I don't know if you've talked to people who, who survived avalanches. Well, yeah, I've talked to a number of people that have survived avalanches. Um, I can say that I've survived an avalanche myself. Oh. Um, in her her case, um, you know, she was fully buried and was very close to being killed. And um, I can say right now that by coming out and telling her story to the public, she's probably already saved a bunch of lives um, just just in doing that alone. So the more they can get their story out and the farther around the world it spreads, the, the better effect they have. And, and um, it, it's, a, it's a really it's a great thing um, for them to be sharing the story. Mm-hmm. We just have a, a, a 30 seconds. You survived an avalanche? I guess you got out quickly. Um, I wasn't fully buried. Um, mm-hmm. I was I was uh, taken for a ride when I was doing avalanche control work, actually. Oh wow! Uh, years ago, and um, I did a ski cut across the slope, or I just I did a, a ski test, and the slope broke way above me in a hard slab, and and came down and and uh, rode up over my back. I felt like I was in a car accident. Wow! Um, it was yeah. a, a really hard and, and violent experience. It wasn't soft and fluffy powder that I got caught yeah. in. Um, and so anyway, I, uh, uh, my injuries were minor. Uh, my face was cut in a few places and, uh, where I'd been, uh, bashed through the trees. Um, I ended up with, uh, standing up, uh, right in front of some trees or right, you know, leaning on some trees, big, uh, Aspens and, uh, both my skis were broken. Um, but I did survive. And so it, w- it was, uh, you know, a happy ending there as well. Well, we're, we're glad. We're glad. And we're, we're glad uh, for uh, Elizabeth Malloy and Adam Mori as well. Uh, others aren't so lucky. So that's why we're uh, sending out these avalanche tips. And uh, the place to go is utahavalanchecenter.org. Toby Weed is a forecaster with Utah Avalanche Center. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tom. And uh, for producer Shalane Smith-Needham, I'm Tom Williams. Thanks for listening.